Blessings, 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 warrior. Welcome to Warriors of Light Show, our living library of consciousness. I am your host, Joy Mkhami, an oracle and ascension guide for genetic path patterns. This masterclass show is created as a portal of accessing and archiving spiritual wisdom, philosophies, and technologies for spiritually awakening, inspired, and practicing individuals who seek to expand their spiritual path, heal their genetic miasmas, and elevate their consciousness within indigenous medicine and cosmic wisdom. So take a seat, beloved warrior, and join me as I curate solo transmissions and conversations with fellow irregular shamanic medicine and healing. Okay, welcome, welcome everyone to Warriors of Light Show. We are here today with this weekly masterclass series that we are doing, where we are building a library of consciousness. Every week we come here to add into this library with the different concepts, spiritual concepts, philosophies, technologies, and everything in between. And I'm really excited for today's session because I'm here with Gopatato, and she's going to be joining us today talking the language of spirit. I'm, I'm excited about this topic. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. We are really happy uh, to be here with you. And also welcome, Coco Tato. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. And I know you have uh, requested or volunteered to start this session with a, a grounding. Um, so yeah, let, let's, let's begin. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've also just sent on the chat and then to all, everybody who's, who's connected via YouTube that if you've got a candle, or Mbepo or Sage, um, I would very much like and appreciate that you light uh, a candle or Mbepo or Sage if you are connected um, to those tools um, because I feel like the conversation um, should be about yourselves also inviting your spirit selves to have this conversation with all of us uh, and not for it to be a conversation that is something that is just channeled through a person to everybody else. I think for me, I see it as a gathering of spirits. And um, if you could, I would like to invite you to do that at this point in time, um, to invite those that you carry, those that carry you and those that are within your heart and your spirit to join us in the conversation today. And with that, Gerata Kubita Sidimu Sabu Pirima, Sidimu Sabu Goni, Sidimu Sabu Tabatati, Sidimu Saboroa, Gerata Kubita Mimoya M. Holo, Gerata Kubita Sidimu Sesoholo, Gerata Kubita Memorena, Gerata Kubita Morena, Gerata Kubita Dina Lady Dimwedi, Moya Wakaho. Kerata go bitsa mimoya ya metsi mimoya ya mollo mimoya ya mmu le mimoya ya mimoya e mogolo etlang lo lotlhe ka sona se baka sena badimo ba rona ba re batsamisang ba batsamisanang le rona re tlo bolela ka taelo ya moya 
le bogela tshono ena bo kokole bonta to mogolo gore le fitle mona le tlo re khabisetsa tsa bophelo thank you ra le bogela Yes. Oh, wow. That just immediately took me <laughs> deep. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for, yeah, for that yeah, powerful opening. We are talking about the language of spirit. And before we jump into that topic, a question that came to my mind is basically about wh- why do you think it's so powerful for us to do a lot of our spirit work with our native languages, the way that you just opened with your native language? Or do you, do you have thoughts around why this is like, yeah, because it was quite profound for me. It's always been, yeah. Because our native language somehow connects to the cellular memories of who we are, our lineages, our lifetimes, the essence of who we are and where we are birthed into and what we've been birthed into. So there's something that is very interesting is that once we start to speak in our native language, um, it almost seems as if there's this like key that opens, like this cord, this code that unlocks. It's, you know, when you put a pen code into your phone yeah. or whatever the case is, it almost feels as if that's what happens. And it's almost sort of like takes you back into the memory of who you are. And I think maybe mm. per- perhaps that's how I feel. That's how so it's so for me, so moving. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I also just always see the difference between when I am doing ceremony or rituals in Setswana or um, in English, like there's a, a vast difference. And it's, mm. it's just also the way that my body responds automatically to the Setswana. Mm. So I get the, the cellular memory thing and that key like, oh, okay, we're here. And mm. just also the way that somehow the just the the frequency i can i'm able to detect faster with Suzwana than with mm. english just mm. yeah i just thought it would be interesting for everyone to 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 learn about that why we use our native languages in in our ceremonies and in mm. rituals because it's mm. also really part of this big conversation we're having about the language of spirit mm. right we have our day-to-day conversations or day-to-day languages that we use to navigate our reality, navigate our experiences, right? And then what happens when genetic path cutters, these are people who are called to heal, to heal themselves, to heal their bloodlines, when they awaken and they start to realize that there is a deeper connection with the other realms, the ether, it takes a bit of time to figure out <laughs> what the language, that how to communicate with the ether, how to communicate with spirit, right? And uh, the reason why I'm excited about this conversation is because spirit communicates with us all the time in different mm-hmm. ways. And um, just to have that wide view of how spirit is constantly communicated with us will really help us in our journeys of organic healing and organic ascension. So let's jump into your thoughts, your philosophies, your contemplations around really just broadly this language of spirit. Mm. 
Yes. Great. Um, I hope you can hear me because I see it says my internet is unstable. It's so jealous because we're about to get into the conversation. <laughs> but no, I've got a backup plan in case you can't. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought about the conversation today and I thought to myself, I think it would be great if perhaps I could talk about the language of spirit from my lived experience, from my own lived experience. Um, because, I, you know, some, sometimes we, we, we talk about matters of spirit and matters of spirituality on a very highbrow, highly esoteric perspective, which is great sometimes when you want to delve into the deeply scientific element of it. But I find that sometimes on some level, um, sometimes when you talk about your lived experiences, um, there seems to be a resonance because you're, you're drawing from it from your own personal journey. And you will find that most people connect to that personal journey. So I am hoping that the conversation today will be centered around that, around how do we then simplify the discussion with regards to the language of spirit, spirit and simplifying it, I mean, simplifying it to a lived experience. And so I'm going to just share parts of my own lived experience and lived experiences in relation to what I think then is you know, the language of, of, of spirit. Um, I'm going to give a few examples of, of, of what they are and, um, and, 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 then, and then we can take the conversation from there. So what if I said that one day there was a woman of around 50 years old who walked into my Ndumba and she proceeded to play the piano for us. She was a beautiful, slender woman with, with a cigarette in her hand. And she sat down at the piano and she played the piano for us during a divination with a client. And it turns out that that woman was the great-grandmother of my client that we were doing a divination, who had obviously transcended. And she felt that she needed to come and present herself in the best way she could do it was through playing music for us, you know? And that for me is an example of the language of connection and surrender. And what if I were to say that sometimes or every time actually when I travel, no matter what happens, as soon as I travel, I will see guinea fowl on the side of the road all the time, no matter what, you know? And sometimes maybe when I'm seeking or looking for clarity or wanting to understand something, I will suddenly just see a guinea fowl. I actually have one that, I, that I've got today. I'll suddenly see a guinea fowl feather um, that just appears already to me. That says to me, that is the language of symbolism and affirmation, you know? And I wanted to, I wanted to actually show you the guinea fowl. I couldn't believe it. And when I got the guinea fowl and I saw it today, it was because I was reflecting on the conversation that we we're going to have today. And the ancestors were like, here you go, you know? <laughs> and so for me, that represents the language of symbolism. What if I were to say to everybody that you can have different waters from different locations, from different spaces, 
um, that can heal different spiritual diseases, physical ailments, or misalignments, just purely based on the unique spiritual DNA that they possess, based on the element of that water and where it comes from. And that you could use the same water to heal different people for different reasons because of their spiritual DNA that they possess that then transforms that water. And for me, that is the language of transformation and resonance. And there was a time <laughs> I was woken up at 4 a.m. and I kept seeing flashes coming past, almost like a picture. And I saw a flash of a young man and it looked like a, a photo. You know those old photos that are sort of like, what is that? That old sort of, you know, it's not the, the, the other version of the black and white, but it looked like that. And there was this young man, very stoic, and he was dressed in an army uniform. And I kept asking, who are you? Who are you? And the young man wouldn't speak because it was a picture. And throughout the entire morning, as I was preparing for the divinations, he would follow me everywhere. And we started the consultation and I explained to the person that there's a young man here who looks like this. And then I explained that the young man says he fought in one of the world wars as part of the Lesotho battalion that fought on behalf of the British army. And he got to then share the atrocities that they experienced during that war. And then he's like, that's my father. My father, fought in the world war and he went as a young soldier because obviously during that time we were part of the British colony a British empire etc but what was interesting for me in that in that divination is that that young man kept getting older and older until he got to the age where the father had transcended and I wondered to myself why did he present himself as an 18 year old um and then it clicked that he was trying to share with us that the, my trauma that I experienced on this earthly lifetime started at that age. And how I then treated my children was as a result of the post-traumatic stress disorder uh, trauma that I experienced at that point. And therefore, it changed the course of my life forever. And that was how that explanation got to heal that person. And for me, then, that is the language of memory. And <laughs> what if I were to also say that, you know, there's a process called Fofemba. And for our, our guests from the diaspora, Fofemba is a process that Sangomas uh, use where they they, it's a form of connection and, 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 and sort of like, you know how you would have an MRI scan and someone scans you and then you get to be able to see what is in the essence of that person in terms of physically. With Hofemba, I like to call it an MRI scan, a spiritual MRI scan. And not only that, it's also an exorcism. And what if I were to say that if it's done really well, that process can teleport you to your past lifetimes and it's actually a, a form of past life regression healing. And for me, that is the language of transmutation. And the last example that I want to give, and I hope it is the last example, actually, there's actually two more. <laughs> the last example is that I, I 
I went to, we had a group that we decided we want to go to Zimbabwe for the, for the African New Year, for the spring equinox. And for whatever reason, we just couldn't do it because of COVID. And so we decided to go to Mapungubwe. And when we went to Mapungubwe, we did all sorts of ceremonies at Mapungubwe Hill, etc. But one of the things we wanted to do was to treat ourselves. And, and so we decided to book a bush braai. And we bushed, we booked a bush braai just to treat ourselves and look nice and look pretty. And we went there for the bush braai. But as we got to the banks of the Limpopo River, we were told that across the river, there are healers from Zimbabwe who had been there for the last six weeks, almost, almost two months, doing a ceremony to repatriate someone who had gone to get initiated in the rivers in 1995. And the family had been trying to get her out since then. She went there when she was 18 years old. And this was the third attempt of them trying to repatriate her and extradite her from the river in order for her to be then reintegrated into society. And so when we got there, we found healers 50 meters away from us across the mighty Limpopo River in Zimbabwe, drumming and singing for this young woman to come out of the river. And we joined and we drummed and we sang. But it was so amazing how we communicated across this mighty river and all of us could also sense the location of where the young girl was and where the portal was and what was holding her, you know? And, but what was even more amazing for me is the fact that when we, when we in, started the trip and booking the trip and, and trying to formulate the trip, we spoke about going to Zimbabwe. And so spirit and the gods were like, but you went to Zimbabwe, you know? And so for me, that is the spirit and the language of synchronicity, that if you put in your intention, so if you put intentions forward and want to be able to understand or, or, or surrender that intention, the universe through spirit will synchronize that which you wish for. It might not appear in the way that you wish for, but it will happen because it will synchronize that to happen. And the last one very quickly was around um, going to Inzaloyalanga and drumming there. And for me, the thing that spoke to me was that drums speak and rocks sing. And we went there and we drummed to those rocks because those rocks permeate a sound frequency and an energy that connects to the celestial energy, which is then the energy of the ether. And we understood that by drumming, because drums speak to those rocks, because the rocks sing, they will be able to transform and, 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 and communicate that energy back to the celestials and to whatever other locations that are connected to that. And so for me, that was an explanation of the language of frequency and vibration. So, yeah. so for me, the language of spirit is so vast and it can come forth in so many ways that are so powerful. Some obviously very incredibly dramatic and others so simple in their communication that, that sometimes we try to overcomplicate it by using words and not using spirit to be able to connect to what it is that the spirit is saying to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh my God. 
I just feel like I was like watching a movie. You're such an incredible storyteller. <laughs> Thank you for that like beautiful journey through the different languages and expression of spirit. It's just, yeah, it's so profound. Wow. Thank you. As you were speaking, there are certain things that came up even from my own experience, you know, um, uh, for example, how just like you as well, when I am in session, when I'm in doing divinations, I swear there's always the two dogs outside the window. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> they're here with me. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, so that language of symbolism. And um, another one that came through was it's something that I also shared with you about how before I stepped into this current role that I'm doing as an oracle. Uh, in the early beginning of my journey, I would um, have like the losing of consciousness that was particularly activated by temperature being hot, right? Mm -hmm. If it's if it's a hot day, I, I, I just feel a little out. If I am in the bathroom, taking a shower with hot water, it used to be very intense. And it, it was almost as if I would lose connection with my body, right, mm. or control of my body. Mm. And now that has obviously transformed, but what is still visible is also the way that I don't know if it's the language of frequency from the map you're just giving us of how the body, my, the body constantly also responds to the frequency and, it either, you know, contorts or get a little weak and so forth, you know, which I know is one of the things that a lot of people also experience, especially mm -hmm. in certain places where the portals and the veil between the spirit realms, it's mm -hmm. thin. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so that, that's just what came to my memory as well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, the thing about how our body responds is that it's it's always about the fact that we need to understand that we've got an innate Wi-Fi router within us, which is our intuition. So our mm -hmm. intuition is constantly, consistently connected to the antennas of spirit all the time, getting downloads and whatever else. And so obviously, because we are those spirit beings that are having this human experience through our intuition, which is our Wi-Fi router. As soon as the downloads and the connections come, our physical body is going to respond to them, you know? Mm. And, and I, like, I like the word letualo. Uh, um, mm. Because to me, you know, people like to equate it to fear, a feeling of fear. But I equate it to intuition. Because people would, would say to you, or what is your intuition telling you? You know? So to me, Letsualo then re, re, relates to the divine consciousness of who you are and your intuition. And so when our body then responds, we know what Wi-Fi router is on, you know? Mm -hmm. um, our innate Wi-Fi router is on, you know? Um, I love so that. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I am curious, and it's because I saw the story uh, of the lady in the river in Zimbabwe. Like I read it somewhere, so I, I found it very fascinating when you you're talking about it. I, so I am curious 
or then what happened did she come through the portal or, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah so so you know what was interesting for me and what was so beautiful was the fact that that family never gave up on her yeah since 1995 they've been wow. trying to get her out right and obviously to other people it could be like hi man this is a folk tale come on 1995 someone has disappeared into the waters and you still have faith that they are alive and and for those that are are are, are, are not familiar is that in the in, in the olden days um those of us who are connected to the water spirits uh greatly amongst all the elementals is that sometimes we, we used to be or we would be called to go and initiate underwater and so back in the days we used to have a lot of people that would go and initiate underwater and you would have a healer who would facilitate them coming out and the healer would always be in communication with the initiate underwater and with the waters and the waters will then communicate when the initiate is ready to come out and they'll facilitate that process. Very similar to, it's not different from a, 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 an initiation of a homecoming uh, process where after we get initiated, our family then holds space and then we do a homecoming for us to come home as a fully fledged initiated healer. So it was the same thing. So this lady went in 1995 and, and the fact that they didn't give up and they, they went three times to, to, to three different people until they found an elderly woman in Zimbabwe in the deep, in, uh, I, don't, I don't remember exactly the, the region, but it started with a B, whose speciality is to then um, take those who are initiated out of the water. And most people that we were there with, uh, the rangers that work in Mapungubwe were just like, you know, when you have like this cynical thing of, oh man, <laughs> Since 1995, do you not give up? How yes. And that's how powerful spirit is. And that's how mm. powerful surrendering to spirit is. Is that that family did not give up on the fact that they wanted to take her out. You know, so, I mean, we all got into trance at some point and we had conversations across the river. But when we had left, um, there was a lot that happened in the river that I can't really speak about. But the essence of what we eventually understood is that the essence of who they're thinking will come out of the water won't come out the same, but eventually they will. And there's certain things that they needed to do to heal the spaces within the familial in order to do that. So we left there knowing that it will happen, um, but also knowing that it will happen differently than they they, they hope. And the other day I was actually calling one of the guys just to follow up and find out if the healers are still there. And they sleep on the riverbank, hey? So they sleep there. They wake up, they drum and sing all day. They change. It's like a shift. And they do that every single day without fail. Wow. And what was beautiful, and I think that also goes to the discussion about vibration and frequency and also sonic frequency is that the songs that they were singing across the river were singing in communication to us and we understood exactly what those songs were trying to say to us mm. which was so beautiful also is that we use music as a language of spirit mm. you know and that was very beautiful yeah wow wow so another yeah, this is so incredible. Um, another thought that's coming through right now is 
you you know if someone was listening to you they they may think when you say they were communicating they're not sure if it's like literal like physical manifestation or this was through your vision you know uh through your 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 third eye sighting which is also another way that spirit does communicate right visions and um hearings and like class senses essentially right mm. yes so i um yeah just a, a little bit of expansion also on how class senses is also a big part of the mm. language of spirit mm. yeah. and also just to clarify that those healers were physically there as well you know and in and, and, and their communication but back to your question about clear senses, clear senses also is very much related to our Wi-Fi router and, 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 and our intuition. So some of the, 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 the lived experiences, the first one about, um, you know, the, the lady that walked in and the gentleman who fought in the Lesotho war would be what people could possibly link to a gift of clairvoyance. So the, the gift of medianship, the gift of seerdom, the gift of being an oracle is very much linked to the gift of, of clairvoyance. So, um, and, then, and then it's also then linked to be able to see things that are beyond the physical realm. And that happens a lot through divination and many other modalities or faculties that we, do, we, we, we partake in. And it's interesting how, you know, medium is a very it's a buzzword lately, you know, people are now very excited about going to visit mediums and, and, and I'm just like, but you know, this is, this is what happens to me on a daily basis. You know, when I look at you know, those television programs with the mediums and this is what happens with a lot of um, healers and spiritualists, African spiritualists on a daily basis, mm. you know? So for me, and mediumship is a very is a very strong connection to the clairvoyance uh, um, uh, sense, gift. you know. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, yeah, the clairvoyant gift. Um, and and uh, we had mediums, so many, and also a lot of the samgomaship is also channeling a spirit. And then obviously you've got the the, the gift of clairaudience, where then it's got to do with being able to to sort of hear, you know, um, and, and, and when you hear, it, it almost feels very intuitive because um, you don't know if you're hearing it so for sure or what. So I, I, I get that all the time and people think I'm crazy because this is where um, I would turn during a divination and literally turn because this is the side I hear from. So this is my clear audience side, you know, and I would hear conversations, um, you know, and I know that it's not voices in my head. I know intuitively it's not my thoughts. And I know that it's, it's you know, it's those voices. And, and what is interesting is that people who've got clear senses sometimes can be misunderstood to have some sort of mental um, misalignment or disease where there would be then a, a misdiagnosis bipolar or schizophrenia because i mean every divination that i do I, you would swear that i'm crazy 
because mm -hmm. I'm seeing things, I'm talking to people, I'm even laughing with them loudly and nobody sees any of that, you know? So the gift of clear, clear senses, the, the feeling of mikoka, I forget in the English word what then that clear sense is called when it goes with what you were saying about vibration where you start to feel what the other person's feeling. You know, I've got a, a friend of mine mm. who goes through the Claire most. Empathy. Claire empathy. Claire oh, yeah. empathy. Yeah. Claire empathy is almost like the feeling, the one that is a physical manifestation. You know, that's my life. life. <laughs> <laughs> feel the cramps that that person is feeling. And oh, they would feel all sorts of things that feel oh. depressed. And it's all of those things that they're feeling. Um, and, and all of that is connected to our Wi-Fi router and our Wi-Fi router also connects to the energy of the ether because the ether is then is the connector between our earthly self and our spiritual self with the celestial energies. That nothingness that you feel at that point between self-consciousness and complete unconsciousness because you're letting all those clear senses and your Wi-Fi router to take over. Mm. yeah wow yes I love that yes thank you for clarifying that yeah and uh so a big one for me is class citizens just the gift of knowing just instantly as I speak I'm like oh I didn't even know I knew that <laughs> but here it is right yes um what's interesting about class senses is I think sometimes we get stuck in how do we connect and open to these senses, right? And it, sometimes they feel like, like you're saying with the mediumship, like it's like some kind of sci-fi concept there that is not innately already existing within you. You just mm. have to punch the passcode and mm. then it's like, it <laughs> right? Yes. So mm. that's another thing about the language of spirit is that it gets activated, you know, yes. you have to put codes and sometimes you, um, I, I didn't know I had clear empathy before until I was yeah. in sessions and I'm like, what is happening? Why am I in pain? Oh my God, yeah. why is my heart beating so fast? You know, and yes, yes because it got activated through the yes. different initiations that I was going through. So yes. they, with the body, the body is a big part of how spirit also communicates with, mm -hmm. with shamans, with oracles, and so forth. And also just the way that we are able to sense and engage with the five elements, as you were talking, you know, we, we've already spoken about um, the water element and the, the water spirits. And I also spoke a little bit about that hot fire thing that I feel in the body. So yeah. maybe we can jump in also to why the five elements are a huge part of the language of spirit and how this all interconnects. Yeah, I'm just trying to uh, light some people as I'm chatting. Mm. Well, because I think it's because, you know, air recollects, um, earth recycles, Fire reignites, water remembers, and then ether reunites. That's how I always try to remember or connect to their importance. Um, because, 
you know, when we talk about the fact that everything in nature has spirit, it means that everything in nature lives. And it means that its living expression is connected to something. And that's where the, the, you know, the, the elements, the spiritual expression of the elements come in. Um, and I'm asked to repeat it. So air recollects, air recycles, fire reignites, water remembers, and ether reunites. And so everything that we do is linked to the elements. And if I were to give a practical example, especially from a point of when you're a healer. So when you're a healer and you go into the process of guided initiation, and everything else, you, and there's a storm coming up and the elements are talking right now, which is <laughs> incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly it got dark and it's... <laughs> um, and yeah, they refuse for the light to come on, by the way. Like, when we try to switch on the light and they're like, nope. We are not switching on the light. Yes, okay. <laughs> so the thing about how we, we know that we are connected to nature is how everything around us is connected to the four elements, even though we're not aware. And it starts with our totems. Hmm. If you were to think about our totems, our totems are innately linked to the elements. Hmm. You know? connect the element of water. If our totem is the guinea fowl or the hawk or the eagle or whatever it is, it's connected to the element of air. Or or if all of those things, it means we're connected to both the elements of air and water. If living animals that are walking, it means we're connected to the element of 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 um earth you know and if we talk about certain actions that have a very fiery energy you know hushila is a very hushila as an as an act it creates a kinetic energy so to me also that represents the element of connecting to fire so if we were to look at all of that we would know within who we are, that everything that we do actually was around nature, the elements of nature, and therefore the, the actual elements themselves and the alchemy that those elements represent and what they do for us. So back to the story about being a healer and you go through the, the initial process where you cry for your name, your name cries for you and you manifest a name and an identity through a name about what it is that you're called for. Right. And that's the name that through your initiation process, you are called by that name. And the reason why you're called by that name is that you're called to continuously remember your purpose, remember your purpose, remember your purpose. People misunderstand that if I am calling myself Gogo Manzini, they're thinking that I am embodying the name of someone who has passed on and transcended, who wants to live their life vicariously through me. But what they're not understanding is that Manzini himself also carried that name from somewhere else. And what is being passed through is not the characteristics that whatever else of Manzini is what Manzini represents alchemically in terms of the elements. You see, so, 
So to me, when only Mutalipula, Maleta, Nomalanga, Dabla Manzi, Mutamayatabing, Mahalentabeni, Noloande, all of those names say so many beautiful stories about the elements and the alchemy of the elements and also our history of memory about how we can use the elements to live and express ourselves mm. in spirit. So that's how I see and I connect to what the element means and, 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 and the alchemy of element means as a language of spirit. And we've got it everywhere. We just need to look for it. It's everywhere around us. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah, you have a thing of activating and connecting things I didn't even know needed to be connected. I tell you this all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you so much for that. Just a really profound like explanation of the five elements and how they're connected to the totems and how they're connected to our, the lineages and just also like a lot of this also has a lot to do with our genetic memory as well, you know, um, and possibly our origins as well. You know, uh, there's a question here that I feel like is connected to, to this. Uh, Arina Vo was asking, what is the significance of regularly dreaming of landmarks such as mountains? Right. So also, yeah, mountains, like essentially, I guess, nature, natural things. Yeah. But my greatest passion in the world is to talk about the power and the healing power of nature and how nature is connected to us as a people and specifically around sacred sites and the, the, the explanation of what sacred sites are. And one of the things that I feel sacred sites are is that the landmarks, the, the water bodies, the mountains and everything else, they are portals to the divine. I always like mm. to say that nature is our div divine umbilical cord to the supreme being, to the creator, to the cosmic energy, to everything else. And so whenever you are constantly seeing a landmark that comes through you through message, it means that you need to connect to the energy of what that landmark means in terms of connection to your higher self. Um, there are landmarks that are specific in terms of their sanctity because they are specific portals in which all the other elemental and celestial beings, entities, spirits, uh, spiritual energies find a way to connect back to us. You know, mm -hmm. you'll, 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 you'll have conversations where people will say, you, that mountain you must not climb, hey? Or <laughs> those waters, they take people, et cetera, et cetera. What they're trying to also present, and I know at some point it's through an element of fear, and it's because we are Thomases and we want to, we want to do things that we can see with our own eyes, and then we're going to go and try and... and you know, mess around where we shouldn't. But it's mm. also a protective thing. They're trying to protect the access to the sanctity of those portals and leave it up to people who can engage with those portals. So you might find that you are then connecting to certain landmarks because there's something about those landmarks that needs to activate a big part of your spirit self that mm. then con connects you to the divine consciousness. So for me, whenever I would dream of landmarks, I would ask... Um, for permission 
for an explanation about what that or and an explanation is not clear uh directions id photo everything sometimes an explanation is just an innate knowing the that 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 clear feeling of innate knowing and 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 i would then go up to that landmark and see what that landmark says to me and that's how i've been able to go through to all these many places because i've seen them in dreams i felt them i mean there was a time i was told to go and collect waters from 13 waterfalls in an anti-clockwise direction and i was and i was like oh excuse me where am i going to get 13 waterfalls from <laughs> where <laughs> you know yeah. mm. somehow i got a, i don't know what i was looking for and then i saw that just here in the panoramic route in bumalanga there's more than 13 waterfalls i didn't mm. know that at the time so what did I do? I passed and I prayed for the for for the ability to go there, and for a sense of clarity. And I got in my car and I went there and I collected those waters that they want. I didn't even know I could, but I did. You know, so it's also it's about how then those waters helped me activate mm. a part of myself that I didn't know I needed to be activated. Mm. Wow, I love that from also my own experience yeah. with particularly landmarks i also it's it's really all interconnected but another perception is how it's connected to genetic memory and lineages as well because i particularly i am a child of the mountains of the hills and it's not something i knew i was but when I started my journey, I dreamt a lot of the mountains and the hills. And as I went in my journey and started to retrieve the genetic memories of my ancestry, the ancient ones all the way, this is when I just started to realize I am connected to specific lineages that before then I didn't know I was connected to them. You know how I was telling you. Um, yeah, like we often may just know that, oh, I'm Galanga from just your father right now, but without knowing the origin of that lineage and how far it goes. And then you'd find that sometimes lineages are connected to particular elements. Like you were saying, you know how the Bakwen are connected to the waters and um, the Khoisan uh, are connected to the fire and the, the Lozi nations are connected to the mountains and hills. And with that also, you also learn a lot about your expression as well, because we are, you know, the expression of our ancestry of the DNA coding that we are holding within ourselves. So when I started to also realize, when I'm seeing mountains, I'm being given back my, the memory of who I am really, the natural mm -hmm. aspect of myself, it's my DNA, literally trying to say this is what your ancestry is right mm. and um you'd find that for example the mountains connect with a warrior essence or a warrior spirit you know within the being and like that's my energy as well it's very fiery very warrior like and mm. i didn't even plan to 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 this word of warriors, I don't know how it came to me, but it's like now a big part of my work, right? But it's connected to, to the mountains, to mm. the to the warriors that mm. are part of my ancestry, right? So it's, it's, it's always so much more than just the vision of the mountain. There's a lot that is there that may take years to unpack, 
you know, but that's the beauty of, mm. of understanding that, like not dismissing things as they're happening and just mm. allowing yourself to map that spirit is communicating with me. If I keep seeing mountains, there is something for me here, mm. right? And yes, mm. maybe go to the mountains, but what else, you know? Um, yeah. And just engaging with spirit to ask, okay, what else are you yeah. trying to express here? Because you right. might find that you actually need to go to the mine, mountains just to be able to get a sense of clarity because the element of air gives mm. clarity and a sense of calmness. And, 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 and when you're in the mountain, you're connecting to both air and earth. And that, that means that in you getting a sense of clarity with the energy of the air, the ground is also then grounding and anchoring you that just to just walk up that mountain you're actually you're mm. not going there to do some elaborate ceremony or do something incredible that is just going to blow your mind or whatever else in fact just being there is something that you need just being there so so and you might find that you are sent to go to certain waters just so you can then get cleansed just so especially if you've got a restless spirit how water because it's so fluid and it's so absorbent can then absorb whatever it is that is affecting you and then flow it out of you so even just sitting on the riverbank and just watching the waters or getting into the waters and cleansing yourself could be a, an incredible experience so it also doesn't necessarily have to deal with you know, these big things and these grand meanings, you know, it could be just about certain things that you just need for yourself. And so when they're showing you the mountain, the, the waters, or when they're showing people in fire, uh, and sometimes we think, yo, is my house going to burn? Am I going to burn? Are people going to burn? What's going to, what they could be showing you around fire was that you need to be able to have everything be consumed by lighting a candle by making a fire outside, by writing things down that hurt you and putting it in the fire so that that, can, that fire can consume you and you can take the ash from what you wrote and you can bath with it because the element of water will flow. All of that that had consumed and stressed you so much that you've now burnt into the fire and you're taking it out through the water, through the cleansing will then flow out of you. So it could be those kind of simple things that perhaps those landmarks are just trying to teach us. And, 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 and there's so much as well. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, I love this so much. Yes, 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 yes. So this conversation of nature is activating a lot of people. So there are questions that I think we should answer them now here because they're related mm -hmm. to what we're saying. And maybe you've answered some of it. My uh, Honolo is asking, so, so different waters, like the locations of the waters, carry different hidden properties. So that's the first question. As in, I always thought waters are all the same. You just get water and you pray for it. Yes. Mm. Okay. So with regards to water, water is so powerful because water transforms all the time. So let's take the, 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 water from the ocean. Water from the ocean has salt. Salt is a purifier and a cleanser all on its own. Salt is also an absorbent of, of, of negative energy. Water from the ocean, because waves come in waves, so there's this thing 
It completely releases everything out of you. It does it in a forceful manner that then removes and pushes everything out and then it brings whatever is the remnants of you back in. That's the sort of the vibrational frequency of the waves. Whereas if you were to go and you were to get Meti Asidiba as an example, Meti Asidiba or from a lake, there's a certain level of stillness and calmness. There's also something about Meti Asidiba that, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the phrase still waters run deep. It's very much how I always connect to the energy of Meti Asidiba because it always talks about certain things that you are not aware of that are hidden, that you might not be connecting to, that you need to cleanse and heal. And so Meti Asidiba, because it's so deep in mystery and mysticism, because it's not very often that you can really see the depth of what is in there, that you could use that Meti to be able to then deal with whatever is not seen. So it brings that energy. Rainwater, because it comes from the heavens, it comes from the celestials, it comes from the universe. When you want to have a greater sense of awakening as well. And also because it's the, the even the direction of the rainwater, the rainwater is from above to below. Same thing with waterfall water. It's above to below. So it means that that rainwater, as it, it comes up, it hits you on your crown chakra and then hits everything else as a directional process, you know? Whereas some waters are root chakra up, rainwater and water for water is crown chakra down. That also says a lot about what it's trying to also then heal and also says a lot about what is it that you're connecting to with the rainwater. So yes, different waters from different spaces have different properties in terms of the source of where they come from. The other thing is that the location of where they come from has an influence. So river water from the Crocodile River here, Mobretze, just after the, the, the Hartabiesport Dam that goes all the way through Brits, gets other tributaries, like the Irlands River and those other rivers and, and hits the, the, the Limpopo River and becomes the Limpopo River will be different from the Crocodile River in Gwenya River that is in Pumalanga that travels all the way, all the way into the Kruger and travels all the way out. So even the location of the spaces that hold these water bodies are also influencing the energy that they're bringing into the water themselves. Aside from the water itself and its energies that it's possessing. And then on top of that, you've got the spirit of the custodians of the waters that they bring their own energy. So, so it's, a, it's, 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 it's a lot in terms of how everything comes together. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and water is, it's, it's a big part of of the human experience because we are water we are literally made of water yeah. and it's yeah <laughs> i keep connected to genetic memory because it's kind of like my favorite thing right now right yeah. and how um these different water bodies are carrying different genetic memories that are connected exactly. to different genetic lineages the original ancient lineages 
right? Mm. And they're able to activate. Like, it's not just water. We're not looking. It's not the same, you know, like two mm. different rivers have two different genetic properties. Genetic, yes, alchemical properties that are also connected to, like, the source of these waters are different. They're not, mm. like you're saying, you know, there's some that are coming from the celestial and the rainwater creates that dam or that river and then there are are others that raise from the center of the earth the inner earth so it's all different and so they have different alchemical properties and they will also activate the same water like you said you mentioned this on how you can use the same water from the same river with two different um clients patients and heal two different things because exactly. they're interacting with the different dna that each person is holding right so the it's, transformation is so amazing because they can yeah. transmute, transmute and transform themselves based on the dna of that person and what that that person needs and that's mm. how beautiful the energy of water is as an element that heals yeah yeah it is a powerful powerful yeah so on uh, one of the questions let me see here is it still about water okay so Coco, with the water are there particular passcodes that you personally use to activate the alchemical properties you know, I think that Matonolo was asking that she just thought it's about taking water and praying for it and then it will do the work. It's alchemy. The praying is already mm. alchemy. And, mm. and, and, the, and, and the pin codes, the pass codes that you enter to, to activate could be a simple thing as, you know, so what happens now for me personally is that when I go to the waters, um, I, I, I prepare myself spiritually to enter the waters because a lot of us treat water like, or any actually elements lately. Um, um, there was another conversation we were talking about just how us who are healers are, were, were conservationists of nature and are supposed to be the custodians of looking after nature. And so the way we treat nature and the way that we treat it with disdain is also similar to spiritual rape you know and the way that we've got this sense of ego and arrogance in terms of how we enter nature spaces as as just as african people lately is is very much against what what is encoded within us in terms of how mm. we see to nature so 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 with everything when i enter spaces of water prior to that i prepare myself either through fast through prayer through treatments, whatever spirit tells me, and it will be different from everybody. There's no one size fits all in any kind of spirituality, but this is what I do. And when I get there, the first thing I do is I go and announce myself at the waters. I'm not here to come and cause havoc. All those kind of things, you come and then you ask and you announce why you're there and the reason you are there to the waters and you explain to the waters what it is that you're going to do for them and with them. I usually sing to the waters because I feel like water loves to be sang to. I do that and then I don't take the waters immediately if I'm going to be around there for long. I feel the energy of the space and then 
at the moment where I'm leaving, then I announce that I'm taking the water. And obviously the usual thing that we do at the waters is that we throw coins as an offering as well. And then I do that and then I take the waters. And when I get home, I don't immediately then take the waters and go store them in Mandumba. I leave them at the altar that is outside and I explain to the waters that the waters are here and what they're here to do and we have arrived. And I leave them at the, at the altar. And I introduce the water to my ancestors and my spirit guides and everybody that goes that protects the space to say, the waters that you wanted, here is the water. Get to know each other, lovely, have a great time. I'll see you all tomorrow. I'm sure tomorrow you will be acquainted. Everything will be cool. Tomorrow then I go and I get the waters and I place it where it needs to be. And so that's how then I would use it. Sometimes they would tell me the waters need to be activated again. Uh, whether because they've been there for long or whatever. So usually what I would do is I would take the waters out either during certain moon cycles, usually during full moon, because obviously the full moon, when it's full, it, it it's connected to the element of water. It affects the ocean tides. It affects water, uh, uh, you know, communication and expression. So I find that my waters personally get activated more when I'm outside in full moon and I can place the waters there to get the vibrational frequencies of the moon in order to be reactivated again. And then therefore then I can then know that I can use it, yeah. Hmm. Yes, I love that. Okay, so before we jump to the last part of the language of, of spirit, there's one last question around the element. Um, so maybe either you've already answered it, but let me say it again. From Kakamato Tokoza if, if you dream of praying in the mountain and walking through the forest or the desert without any specification, does that mean I can climb any mountain and visit any forest in the, any forest including the ocean? Um, so, yeah, so we, we I touched, yeah. yeah, we touched on it a little bit. For me, the important thing is what is your intuition telling you, Hakamat? So you've dreamt about it. Now for me, because oh, is this what you, what needs to do? And I explain what usually I'll ask first, hang around a couple of days and be like, so what do you say? Should I go? Because as soon as I see it, I'm like, I'm going. So, but before that, I rein myself in and I'm like, okay. What are you saying? Is this somewhere where I need to go? Somewhere I need to take note of? Or somewhere where I need to connect to its energy in order to do something about it? Then they will answer. And I swear they will answer you, not necessarily back in a dream or in a vision. They could even answer in a conversation that you have with, some, with a person and then something connects to that dream that you had. All I know is that always, always, they will answer whether you need to go there or not. They will. Um, and then you will know exactly what to do in terms of, okay, if they know, and, and, and that's why I gave the example of the waterfalls, that I kept having this message and I wanted to go, but I didn't know how the hell I'm going to go there. And bloody Google helped me. Out of everything, <laughs> Google helped me. You know, I was on the internet and I was Googling other things and then these waterfalls came up. So as long as your intuition is open to being receptive, your Wi-Fi router is on and you're ready to 
press the passwords and the pin code to activating mm. the messaging or the translation of the messages from the gods and from your ancestors, you will innately, innately know what to do. And Kakamato, you've got an innate knowing that you then don't connect to and you need to connect to that because it's, 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 it's how we can then access what our spirit self is saying as, as well as our, our guides and our ancestors. Mm, yes. Another, another way that this also happens is with alignment with what you talk about, the language of surrender and affirmations. I also sometimes find myself in the place that I had, I was told to go to, but I'm like, how did I come here? Someone mm -hmm. invites me to a place and then I'm like, this is the forest, you know? And mm -hmm. it has a lot to do with surrendering deeply mm -hmm. and allowing spirit to also use people around you, situations around mm -hmm. you, what happened with mm -hmm. your trip to Zimbabwe, you know? Like mm -hmm. sometimes you plan something, you don't even know, it's all part mm -hmm. of this big um mm -hmm journey that they're sending you on so mm -hmm. I always trust my intuition if I get like an invitation and the mm -hmm. invitation says go I'm I always get so surprised I'm like ah, oh, I'm here I, I wasn't planning this morning I didn't mm -hmm. think I'll be here in mm -hmm. the river in the forest but I'm here you mm -hmm. know um so it's also around allow like sometimes moving from the the conscious mind the the way that the human mind likes to calculate, I can't just go, you know, to Zimbabwe mm. out of the blue. Like, why? You know, but having to trust and surrender to mm. that because it is an initiation that they're sending you mm. on that you are taking, right? Mm. Yes. On this yeah. topic of initiation, it's yeah. um, <laughs> uh, it's it's also another part of, the language of spirit, right? Being initiated, the different ways that we get initiated into a deeper relationship with, with spirit, the different expressive expression and forms of spirit, mm -hmm. right? And um, there's always a question of like, how do I know what is the right initiation pathway for me? Um, mm -hmm. When will I know that, you know, this is aligned and so forth you know so like mm. I, I know it's one of the things that you want to come and share on right now okay yeah so I think we'll, we'll we'll do that briefly because I think there's a lot of content that goes around there and also just your prelude to the to the question about surrendering is a big part of it you know a lot of us deal with analysis paralysis and wanting to project manage every aspect of our lives. We want to know how, what, when, why, <laughs> and we want to know it now. And we want the explanation of the who, the explanation of the how. We want to know everything. For me, in terms of my own personal journey, just also then linking it back to a lived experience as opposed to almost like a whole sort of sense of trying to, you know, um, yeah. So, so from a lived experience, my thing up that helped me a great deal with getting to where I needed to go for initiation was just purely what you just said now, to surrender everything to what my intuition is going to tell me. Because I work from a point of, um, I'm a very, I've got an, a very analytical mind. 
So I'm always overthinking certain things, but yet I've got a very strong intuition innately. So there was always a battle between the ego and the spirit self, the intuition and the mental processing and the cognitive processing that you would find that for most people that are struggling with trying to understand their journey, it's mainly because they're, they're looking at it from a pragmatic cognitive perspective. I need to be able to be given directions, le ID number, le fingerprint, or where I need to go. And I need to know now, and I need to know exactly that when I arrive there, what are they going to do to me? For what purpose? And for what reason? And, and out of all the things, a lot of people also struggle with acceptance. So, so, so if you've, you're even finding it hard to accept that you've got a gift and a calling and a journey that you need to embark with, that becomes difficult and it needs someone to handhold you. But if you've moved from the point of acceptance and you're teetering between acceptance and surrender, the biggest thing is to hold on to what your spirit self is t- telling you. Because I had accepted when they told me that, and, and I, would, I would dream and I would do all these things. I went to all sorts of people because I wanted to project manage everything and I needed to understand what, what the hell is going on with me. <laughs> what do I need to do? Okay. So I went and, and when the, everybody kept saying, you're going to be a healer. I was like, what? Me? A healer? I was so excited. I was like, yes. Because I thought that was the dopest thing ever, you know? Mm. But what I was struggling with was surrendering. Why? Because I wanted to have a level of self-control in terms of understanding what it is exactly that I'm going to. So there's a story that I talk about, and I'm going to share it very briefly, where one day I woke up before, before I twasted, you know, um, when, I, when I woke up and I decided that today as per usual I woke up and then I started seeing like these little like movie clips in front of me and and it was like this I see myself getting into a car getting into a and driving that car and getting off the RO1 and it said RO1 Hamanskral I get off it and I drive down that road and there's factories and there's farmhouses and whatever I go up a hill down a hill I get into a, a village or a township I turn left and I park outside a blue house and there was this voice that kept saying Zamai 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 now go now at that point I was going through the most in terms of my journey um, because of the fact that I still was refusing to accept that I just need to surrender to whatever I need to do. Although I accepted that I've got a calling and I was excited about it, but my ego self wouldn't allow me to kill the cognitive processing and the cognitive dissonance that was always there and present and, 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 and also just overbearing my intuition and my intuitive self. So so at that point, I got very ill. I couldn't drive anymore. They wouldn't allow me to drive because every time I would drive, the car wouldn't start or I would get fainting spells. So I couldn't work anymore, et cetera, et cetera. So, but that day I insisted to get into the car and, and my partner was like, you can't go into the car. You can't drive. You're not allowed to drive. You're not allowed to do anything. You need to stay at home. Uh, your mom is going to kill me if I let you drive. I insisted so much and I got so aggressive. Eventually he let me. I went on this journey and so far as I'm driving, I see all those landmarks, all those landmarks. I go there and I drive, I drive, I drive, you know, and and now my mom has called 
my partner and my partner has said to my mom, she's gone there. I, I couldn't stop her. She calls me and she's like, where are you going? And she's freaking out. And I tell her I'm going, you know, imagine you telling a mother, an African mother, you know, girls grew up in a Christian home and whatever the case is that you are going to a place that you saw in your vision while you were awake. <laughs> hmm? yeah. And you are going there to a place you don't know. Uh, so she completely freaked out, called the entire family and extended family and our neighbors and the church people, everybody. And everybody was just calling me, where are you going? Where are you going? And I got so tired of having to explain the same thing. I just refused to take calls anymore until my uncle, who was the only one who was excited that finally the journey is, is happening. You know, these stories that you hear about this person who gets into a trance and ends up at some gobela's home and the gobela's been waiting for that person for three weeks. I thought that was the whole story, you know? So I went there, long story short, I got to the blue house. When I got to the blue house, there's a young man, 18 years old, who comes out of the, the gate. We meet up at the gate. He says to me, I say to him, I'm looking for a healer. He says to me, the place you're looking for, at that corner, you're gonna turn right. Over the circle is the third house on the left. We're saying this at the same time. And I say to him, thank you very much. And then I get into the car. When I get into the car, I'm like, that guy was, he said, Barry, who's Barry? You know, how did he know what I was looking for? Anyway, I get to that healer's house. I get there and I get told that I need to get a ticket. I'm like, yo, ticket. Apparently you have to go across the road. It's in a village, eh? Across the road to get a ticket. And they're written like numbers on these cardboard cutouts. And they give me number and I was number 22. And this is episode wow. 22. This is episode 22. I think it is. Wow. <laughs> That's a complete, master number. <laughs> a complete yeah. master number. I was given yeah. the number 22. And I get into, and then I come, I see people in a queue, I join the queue until some men said, hey, Sesiwe, the queue doesn't start here. You need to start it in that room there. And there was this shack that there were people in the waiting room that come out of the waiting room and join this queue. So I get into the waiting room and that waiting room was exactly how I've dreamt it a thousand times. A repetitive dream where every time the dream ends where I enter that room and I know exactly how that room looks. There's muti bags here. There's two ladies in front of me. There's a lady with a, with, a, with a baby next to me. And I know exactly they're, they're placed exactly how they are. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I've been dreaming about this place. Wow. Just to say, got into the queue, got into a trance. Whilst in the trance, they took me, I fast tracked the queue. I'm sure the, the closest were like, wait, there's no way we're going to stay in the queue. How do we make a plan? Okay, cool. Let's get into a trance so that they can come carry us and we're going in. <laughs> for me to jump the queue. Got into the um, queue and the gentleman said to me, my gobela, who's a, your ancestors want to be initiated by a, heal, uh, a female healer, which was true. And so I'm taking you to my gob, go, uh, gobela and you're going to drive. And he had a helper and that helper was like, what do you mean she's going to drive? Because he's remembering the state that I came in and he was not trusting that I was going to drive. Got mm -hmm. to meet his gobela and me and the gobela's energies did not connect at all. So after all of that that happened, I went back home and I never went back there. Wow. Because the place I wanted to go was at that man's home. He sent me to his, his gobella. And I kept asking for years, why did you send me there? Why did you send me there? Until I realized that that was my biggest lesson 
in surrendering. Mm. And also seeing the affirmations of seeing those landmarks as I was driving, all those things that I was seeing as I was traveling was spirit continuously affirming that we are present and we are with you. All you need to do is believe. Mm. All wow. you need to do is surrender. Mm. So I went through that whole dramatic experience that would have been such a dope thing to write in the book about how I got to my governor's place, but it wasn't my governor's place. But it was obviously some journey that I needed to go to because of my stubbornness in, in, in wanting to know everything. The, you know, this thing of wanting to know that's been socialized by Western uh, education is very problematic because it, everything is about how we then interrogate things from this headspace, you know? Um, mm. And so for me, it was a lesson in surrendering. And I went through all of that because I needed to understand what it means to surrender completely. Mm. And I needed to also be so um, affirmed by the fact that spirit lives, you know? Wow. So, so the reason why I'm telling that story is I'm just trying to illustrate that a lot of the times all we need to do is surrender and we will get the right path. And sometimes we shouldn't put pressure on ourselves just because we feel like our world walls are closing in on ourselves. If we trust that whatever happens, our guides love us, mm. you know, but a lot. And so we need to trust that they've got our best interest at heart, no matter how at that moment. I mean, like I was saying, I was sick. I was not working because I was sick. I was going through fainting spells. I couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything. But this is what I did. And from that moment on, so much open. Mm. So sometimes it's about taking a step back, not being pressurized by this pressure of everything is suffocating me and then surrendering to the process whilst you're doing whatever it is to put in the pin codes to be able to connect to spirit. And therefore that will awaken your journey in terms of where you need to go. Mm. And I know that it's hard because there's so many stories that people hear about what happens when effect long. And that's exactly why people people need to take their time mm. because they are those who take advantage of that that process yeah mm. oh mm. my god I love this so much I love this so much what's also just coming up for me is I'm referencing a conversation I had with Mukuru Busilizo it's the first episode for the second season where we're talking about universal laws and it's I don't know if, did you mention? No, you didn't mention the language of resonance as well, but it's a law, right? The law of resonance and how you did not resonate with the Gobella there, even though all the signs were pointing like, but this is it, you know? So I find it just also powerful that it means that you listen to th that lack of la resonance for mm -hmm. you and recognize that that initiation, the whole dramatic process wasn't mm -hmm. really the final, final initiation. It was mm -hmm. a teaching, a remembrance of something specific that they wanted you to know, which is that we're here, we are very real, you know, mm -hmm. and so <laughs> forth. And also, I guess, also being taught this, um, trusting your intuition as well it's like mm. a big part of it trusting mm. when your intuition says go and also trusting that but this is not it like even if all everything else before this pointed to this it's still not mm. it you know i think mm. that's really that's really powerful in this journey you know understanding that 
you will have different initiations and some of them will be the big grand initiation and some of them will be a prelude, a teaching, a remembrance of something mm. specific and not to get attached mm. and say, I said I'm ready for the initiation, give it to me now, such that then you end mm. up jumping into a space that wasn't really yours and you know, mm. because you didn't listen to the intuition mm. to Zorolah during the time when you mm. were there. So I think that's such a powerful lesson to learn, particularly when it comes to initiation. And also the importance of not rushing into things, you know, like just allowing it to unfold naturally, organically, the way it's supposed mm. to unfold. Right? Yes. So, um a question I want to ask you around initiation is your thoughts around as you know a gobella, a practitioner, someone who's been in this pathwork for almost a decade or more than a decade, right? The the difference between secrecy and the sacred, right? I ask this because I find that certain uh, genetic path cutters they don't feel like they can ask questions when they're going through their initiation because often it is, oh, that's a sacred thing. We can't give you the answer right now. In, this is in relationship to their mentors and their teachers, right? And yeah, so the difference between when we're just being secretive, not necessarily because it is the sacred and it's not time yet for you to understand this or to know this, that later it will be time. Because this is where I think it's also part of why we're finding a lot of distortions in initiation processes, because there is a, a huge difference between that which is sacred, that which will come later, will be explained later, and just the basic, just like we're refusing to give this information just for the sake of it, or we're just mm. not being told this information and it's like just being mm. a secret, a, a gatekeeping type of, um, mm. yeah, mm. process. Yeah, what are your mm. thoughts on that? All right. So there are, there are moments of gatekeeping where I would want to be able to keep certain sacred codes to myself because of because then I use it as <clears throat> almost like a, a, a carrot that I can dangle in front of someone later on. But the big part of why there was sacredness and sanctity in our processes is because of the process of preservation. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's been misunderstood as gatekeeping now because of the fact that a lot of those that are going into the process of initiation have got access to too much information. So there's an information overload that then creates a certain level of entitlement that we have with regards to access to information that we're not ready for yet. You see, and so my understanding in my growing up in initiation is that the keeping of the sacredness is also number one, preservation number two is about timing and resonance that at that point in time your spirit hasn't grown enough to be able to handle the information that it should carry 
Even you yourself, emotionally, mentally, everything else, are not at a space that there will be complete spiritual resonance for you to carry that knowledge. And thirdly, sometimes there is a reason why there is a certain level of sanctity about sharing certain information at the time, because sometimes it needs to have you have the epiphany yourself. You see, mm. sometimes... We want to spoil surprise parties. Why? <laughs> People are throwing you a surprise party. You want to know what time you must be there. Who's buying what gifts? You want to know send a gift registry to people to buy you gifts and also control the guest list. Your friends, your family, everybody that love you are planning a surprise party for you. You know, they're doing all these non- non- wonderful things. Why don't you just let it go? Why do you know? <laughs> Do you not trust, I'm not going to invite that girl, that colleague that you work with who annoys you? Do you not trust that I won't do that? Do you not trust that I know you enough to know what gifts will make you happy? Mm. Why don't you trust that? So I think for me, the reason why there were certain aspects in your processes where there will be a part where they will reveal certain information when the time is right, because it relates to all of that. It relates to spiritual growth. It relates to readiness. It relates to timing and it relates to certain preservations uh, methods. And yes, like I said, right at the beginning, that then there are those who gatekeep deliberately in order to keep you um, from being able to access those sacred codes, because I want them for myself, because I want for you to come with a begging bowl anytime you need to understand one simple thing about what that muti does, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, or, or how to do a certain treatment, you know, or whatever the case is. Now you I must come to you. You must come to me as your gobela every time. Oh, Tokozawa, Kunje, how do we? Then I'm like, oh, come, my child, come here. And you must come there and kneel in front of me. And I must go through this whole thing just so I can tell you something that I could have told you a long time ago. Mm. You know? So I want to then pay that. But I think for me, the biggest thing that we need to take from this is those three things that I spoke about earlier on, from which I, from my own personal experience, is why I understood why there is a slave. Sometimes this happens, particularly if we're delivering really powerful quotes. So I don't know if it's the Wi-Fi or electricity. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, for those who join us, they you may be aware that there are certain points where sometimes the growth of the internet just boosts us and just interferes with this process. So I am hoping that it's something that Coco can fix and she can come back here. But if you have any questions, I think we'll have time for one or two questions when she comes back. Please feel free to do that. Uh, right now, I'm just gonna check these ones that are here. Okay, so this is a question from Matlana. 
I have heard of a wild story around initiation where the initiate without being conscious walked at night of this, I think it's in alignment with what she was talking about. Walked at night toward the place of the Gogo without knowing the person in place, wakes when arriving and the Gogo missed them and reveals anything. Yeah, so that's the thing. Yes, it happens as Gogo has already shared with her own experience and so forth. Um, what language is that? Does does it happen often? I don't know what language is that. Like it's, when I look at the map that Coco gave us, it doesn't fit any of the languages. But it's um, perhaps it's the language of initiation. Okay, let me just send her a WhatsApp. Now the candle is also active. Um, I believe, you know, the way that we are called to, to our mentors, our teachers, it is, it, it is a language and now it just it slipped my mind. But it's in the same way that you are here, you have found the same, this place, right? There was, it's, I guess, the language of synchronicity where the, you just find yourself in the place that you needed to be at. And there was an orchestration by spirit to lead you to this particular point, to lead you to this conversation, to lead you to your next teacher, whether that's very physical, a physical experience or that's like an online experience that you're doing right now. So does it happen often? Yes. It happens often. I hope that clarifies it, my turn along. <sighs> this is one of, so the question that you're asking Kakamato on, is there such a thing, is there such a thing really as self-initiating or does one need to get a mentor if not in Lefeklo? Uh, I would have really loved for Coco to come and answer this. But what I personally believe is we are constantly being initiated in different ways all the time. Today was an initiation, whether you perceive it or not, right, as that. So we are constantly being initiated. You are constantly engaging with spirit, with these different languages of spirit, right? So in that regard, self-initiation is part of just being human right it's part of the awakening process part of the organic ascension process right and self-initiation is about being perceiving and contemplating and engaging with all these different experiences that spirit is bringing to you that initiates you deeper and deeper into a deeper intimacy deeper connection with spirit right and then when we are talking about particular specific lineage, genetic memory, genetic lineages, genetic rituals, and so forth, there are different keepers that exist, which are what we call the govelas, who sometimes you do need to go through 
that experience with a mentor. Ultimately, I believe that it's not really 100% possible to self-initiate, particularly because we have lost so much memory, so much um, of our understanding, our rituals, and so forth. But it doesn't mean everyone has to initiate in Lithuania, for example, all the time. Right? Sometimes you can, I guess we will call it yourself initiating, but you always, always need a mentor at some point. I just, I, in my own experience, I've had to have someone I reference with to go back to this person and say, okay, what is happening here? For most people, particularly because there has been a, a loss of these rituals and these practices and so forth, and Coco is coming back here, so maybe she can also expand more on this. But like that's my personal thought that yes, you can self-initiate, meaning you're not going to stay with your Gobella and you are going through this process of engaging and learning with yourself, with your guides, with your ancestors. But it's just really not possible to never ever need a mentor. At some point, you will need someone to explain to you certain things, not that you can't access them yourself, but yeah, like I said, um, today we were learning, today you're being initiated, right? You receive mentorship today, right? So we can't say we don't need mentorship at any point. Yes. Does that make sense, Kakamazo? Oh my God, we lost her again. But, you know, uh, last week, I think we were talking about organic ascension on how there is a difference between engaging with your ancestors, engaging with your spirit guides, just for the sake of your own healing and your own evolution, and then engaging with ancestors and um, your spirit guides and all the celestial guidance that's available for you because you have been trained to become a healer, right? So if you are on the path of becoming a healer, you will need a trainer to train you to activate your codes, right? But everyone else, I mean, like the process of engaging with spirit is not just specifically for healers and oracles, it's for everyone. And so you can engage and never ever have to go to a gobella or get a mentor if you want. Right? But I, for those who are called to be practitioners, yeah, I mean, yes, you would dream of the herbs, but if you don't have a map, it's going to be quite tricky at some point. It's not impossible. It's just, it will be such a difficult path and long as well. Yes. Makosi. So now I'm answering this last question. Let's see if Gopo is going to be able to come through now. I'm back. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but okay. I know that when this happens, 
it means that conversation needs to be closed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. This tends to happen when we have activated some other portal. <laughs> Yes, I ended up answering some some questions for you because we're like, oh, we don't know what will happen, right? So there is uh, one last question here. If anyone has another question, you can do that since I answered some of them. Anything you want to you want clarity in? Um, so the the last question from Roy. Are you good, Coco? Should I read down? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, so Roy is saying, Dumelan, Dumela Roy, the yogic culture, in the yogic culture, okay, in the yogic culture, there are certain practices and chants that are done daily that may require initiation or not that cleanse our elements. Right. So an example of this is the Buddha Shuri. I hope I'm reading that correctly. So the question is, in Kemetic or African spirituality, are there any particular practices that can be done daily to actually cleanse the elements? Um, yes, just something to do in the morning quickly before one goes out of the house. Yeah. Yes. One of the most powerful mantra, and, I, and, and there was a, a note that I got the, a couple of weeks ago where I said, the sound that you make when you clap, how partha, mm. is a sound mantra. Mm. And so for, for us, partha is a way that you are already connecting to the spirit and the language of spirit through a sonic mantra of calling upon those of your lineage, connecting through the element of air, through the smoke of the mbepo that you light. The snuff that is the tobacco that comes from the earth is also a form of grounding. And then if you do use water or whatever else, I use water because I keep water there and I light a candle or I light pepper with a flame because then I also invite the energy of fire. So Mopatra for me, when I pass, I am already connecting to all the elements through mm. those little tools that I use when I pass. Um, and so when I start to speak already, that and it goes back to the the discussion when we had around you know when you are connecting and activating through your vernacular language how much then the vibration starts to rise so already when i'm speaking to my ancestors Already I'm reading myself into a form of meditation, already just mm -hmm. by speaking. And when I now connect that form of meditation, already all of that is a form of then cleansing and connecting and activating spirit to ready yourself mm -hmm. for the day.
Mm. Yes, yes. Definitely a, a very powerful practice that has all the elements engaged. And yeah, you can just expand on that. Um, but the basic that Google has shared is that, yeah, that's how it's done here in African spirituality. Yes. yes. I mean, there's also other things uh, that now we can talk about going back to the language of song and why it's important because also then I start to sing and how Ubungoma is then the connection to the connection to the sonic frequency of song and what song means and also the language of song and the songs that we sing and how those songs talk about our genetic memory and our spiritual DNA and our bloodlines and our history and our mm. cultural heritage and our IKS and everything else. So we could go deeper and deeper and, and start to also then talk about all of those as a form of mantra, as a form of connection. I just wanted to just talk about Hopata just as a practical, simple thing that then relates to how you use the four elements and sonic mantra and activation and connection just to then connect mm. to spirit. Yes. Mm. It is a powerful right. language of spirit, that yeah. It is. There's a there's a there was a question here around the ether. Um, let me see. It was in the chat, right? Just because you know, like Okupata always feels like it's a connection with with our ancestry, with our genetic memory lineages, the morphogenetic fields, and then. When we are engaging with the ether, what will that process look like? How do we activate the ether and work with the ether? Um, also, just to add a question here from Tandu, how do we work with the ether, ether and interpret the ether within nature? I don't know if you get that, yeah. All right, so for me, uh, Thank you for that question, Tando. For me, the ether is actually what binds nature. Ne? So mm. in actual fact, the ether is the portal of nothingness that connects, I said earlier, our earthly spirit with our celestial spirit. So if you were to imagine that moment, that moment that those who have gone into a trance-like trans state, the moment of self-consciousness and the moment of unconsciousness is then what I would call the ether. In science, they will say it in space, it is a vortex of nothingness. Um, but from the a spiritual void. perspective, that nothingness is when you are a complete vessel. And it also goes back to the language of surrendering. So for me, when you then start to connect it to nature, is that when you are engaging with nature and you feel transported into a space that you can't explain and it's a space of nothingness, but it feels like something. So it's, it's no longer than engaging with the element itself. It's that little bit of this space in between where, especially also if you are to meditate, I get it when we meditate, they like to say, you know, you must think about nothing. And sometimes we use mantras to be able to ground ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. And then when you feel that there's a certain level of complete lightness and nothingness is when we would then collect, connect to, this, to the language or the spirit or the element of 
the ether that connects to then the greater celestial energy. So I'm, I hope I've tried to sort of simplify it because ether out of all the elements for me is very much linked to an experience of spirit you know mm. but i would say it's what holds all the elements together because all the elements earth water fire and air are very earthly earthly linked elements although they exist in the universe but everything that holds it together is then the element of of spirit in the deep consciousness which is then re re represented as is it is the ether or the nothingness or the space in between mm. yeah Yes. When 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 the the religious scripts and the spiritual scripts say I am nothing and everything for me that's a representation of ether. Mm, definitely. Um, when when I was in South Africa this winter, um, I had an opportunity to go to Mpumalanga and went to the Sudala caves, right? And in ceremony there. Inside the caves themselves, I encountered and engaged with the ether. It was a very celestial experience. It was, I, I went to the void. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced, right? So on this question of how do we, how do, we do that in nature, through these other elements, you, the ether is always there. It will always communicate if you open yourself, if you surrender more and more um, to, 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 to the void, to the, the call of the primordial waters, the call of the primordial womb of the sacred mother of creation. So, yeah, so it's... It, it can happen automatically, like, you know, sometimes we do this just before we go to sleep, where you just find yourself dropping so deep, and then you're like, oh, I am there in the void. And sometimes it's like I said, it's sitting in the mountain and just, it just happens, you know, and it's not something we need to like, create, fabricate, make it happen, like, the, the, the nature will do its part. So that's the beauty. Of, of yeah that's how profound the ether is the energy of the ether is ah wow this was such a powerful conversation so profound Gogo, thank you so much ah you are such a joy to have and yeah you have unpacked so much and i know that everyone who's here is so grateful and yes. so thank you Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody that took the time and the space. I could feel everybody's energy and their love. Um, and and all of this is really just what we are vessels of. Nobody can really own any kind of knowledge. But the biggest thing that we can learn about the language of love is that it comes from within. And Tato's experience and what she shares can have lots of resonance, you know, but also it doesn't mean it is then the handbook when it comes to the language of spirit. And I hope that whatever I was able to share from my own lived experience is that someone somewhere is able to take from it what is valuable for them. And that's all I can hope for, Ralebo. So goes. Mm, yes, to go as a focal. 
Wow. So, Coco, how do people connect with you? How, like, how do you work? How, just tell us a little bit more about your, how you work and if someone feels so activated and they want to, yeah, to work with you, how, how will that happen? Okay, so, um, yeah, so I'm a healer. I obviously then divinations and healing work, um, mainly centered around the four elements, mainly centered around uh, nature. My divination modality is mainly around mediumship and seerdom that has grown over time. Although I do use physical oracle sometimes, should, should, should there be sort of a need for it. Um, love divining. Divining is, is my happy place. When I'm in the Dumba and I'm divining and I'm connecting to everybody's spirits and everybody's guides come through in the Dumba and they're like, hey, we've got some juice for you. And they give me the lowdown and we laugh <laughs> together. That's where I'm always so happy. Um, so in terms of connect with me, on Instagram, I'm Nehuru uh, underscore the underscore Oracle. Uh, on Facebook, I'm Tato Tsukuru. Um, also on, on Instagram, there is a link to my blog on there that people can then connect and send messages. Um, and then that's how generally I, I connect. Um, every quarter, I do spiritual retreats where we go out in nature. And those retreats are always linked to the four elements. And the fifth one, the anchor, as always, which is then the ether, but I do that. And it's always a small group because I just feel like I don't want to crowd the experience with too many people. Um, I do that every quarter and I take people to different spaces. And I always find that instead of advertising and, 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 and really driving it, the, the experiences and the people find me. Um, and so, so yes, yeah, so that's where I, I then take people to go forth. And, and we have beautiful experiences to different places. We've been to Mapungubwe, we've been to Msabelingana, we've been to uh, different caves, we've been to, to Ukasamba, Dragonsburg, we've been to you know, so many spaces that are linked to the elements. And so, so that's, that's really my work. Um, and I love it. It's, 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 it's a beautiful joy to be a healer. And it's a beautiful joy for me to, to be able to experience this in my lifetime. It's honestly such a cool and dope, just out of this world job that you have. I love yes, it. Yes, it is. have got the coolest <laughs> jobs ever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Coco, for sharing all of that. Like, I'm just, yeah activated yeah. i told you how you activate uh <laughs> my fire element so i am in fire right now <laughs> from this Rale conversation Rale Rale so much thank you to everybody thank you yes, so much thank you everyone for joining and just yeah staying throughout even when we had that technological interference happening uh yeah i hope that you received what you were here to receive and you you were as activated as I've been. This, this show, if you want to later rewatch it, is available on YouTube and it was also going to be available 
on Apple Podcast, on Anchor FM, and uh, Spotify. So you can just re-listen and feel free to share this with whoever you feel like will resonate with it because it was just so powerful. I wish many people could watch this, you know, so that they can get the clarity that they need. Otherwise, I am here again next week, Thursday, with another guest. I hope to see you then. Have a good night. Good night. <laughs>